This podcast is sponsored by Borfindel's Dwarf Spirits. Guaranteed to blow your head off. I, I mean, really. I've seen it. One sip and boom. I'm not entirely sure I see the point, but they seem quite popular. Anyway, order Borfindel's Dwarf Spirits now at the introductory price of 14 groats per gallon and get a pint of Goblin Spittle for free. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Morris, aka Russ, or Russ, aka Morris, and with me is my sage-like yet nightly partner in crime, and by crime, I mean making... Perfectly legitimate business activities. Yes, making podcasts without a fishing license. <laughs> I have no idea why I just said that, what that means, but... It means we should put these cart back quickly. Yes. Uh, but yes, um, uh, with me is my is my usual co-host Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Hello, Russ. I am delighted to be here. Hello, Peter. Yes. What have you been up to in the last week then? Oh, a bit of this, bit of that, bit of this, bit of that. Yeah, yeah. Bit wee, bit wild, bit dodgy. Um, but probably the most exciting and indeed the most relevant thing to this conversation would be I have been to Contingency, which is all the way in Hunstanton. And it's a convention. It is a convention, hence the con in the name. Yeah. Yeah, it's very exciting. If you imagine the east coast of England, there's like a notch cut out of it about a quarter of the way up from the south coast, and that notch is called the Wash. And on the south coast of the Wash was where, is where Hunstanton is, and that's where I've been. Hmm. So what did you do at this convention? So many games. So, so many, many games. games. Yeah, so many RPGs. All one-shots. It was glorious. What did you play? Go on. Um, I played Error Consortium, um, Error Balan. <laughs> okay, I'm seeing a theme here. But what can I say? I, I enjoyed it. I played some Dungeons & Dragons in Ravnica. What's Dungeons & Dragons? Uh, it, it's, it's a little system. It involves... It's an indie uh, game, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah Re- okay. Reptiles, Furnished Crave, Arsonists. I played some Adventurers League, which I was very pleased with. I also played Dead of Night, not to be confused with Dead of Winter. One's a really simple role-playing game, and the other's a very complex board game. Um, and I played. Uh, I played something. It's really good. <laughs> I played Starfinder for the ah, first time. How did you find Starfinder? I've not played it yet. I've got it, but I haven't played it. Well, I really liked the GM. The mm-hmm. players were great. Um, I'm massively invested in the story. I now want to run Starfinder modules, but I don't want to use Starfinder to run it because there's just so. I was playing a level four character. I had so many feats. I'm like looking at a page with about six or seven line inches of of feats, things that I can do and things that were relevant. Yeah. And also I was trying to play an operative, which is like basically a rogue. Yeah. And to actually do any like nice stuff, I had to make sort of a stealth or a bluff or an intimidate role, mm. which was about 25, 35% chance of succeeding. Mm. Uh, so then I had to try and roll to hit my target, which then was about another 25-35% chance of doing so. So my chance of actually doing anything on a round successfully were in the region of 15%. Were these pre-generated characters? These were pre-generated characters. Fourth. Fourth level? Oh, yeah, that's probably... Jumping in at fourth level on your first time would probably be quite intimidating, I think, as far as... I'm expecting to have a lot lot of different options, but I'm just like... There are a lot of things to do, but I knew what I was doing. Yeah. It's just I couldn't really do it because, like, the probabilities were not in my favour. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, 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 I do occasionally crunch rolls. But, yeah, like, so Starfinder has a system. Not a big fan. But if you love Pathfinder, if you love um, 
like 3.5, then um, it will be a big upgrade from those systems because your rogues will, won't be reliant on other people to do stuff. Right, okay. Yeah. I've been uh, sorting out my library over the last week. Mm. So up yeah. for the last, I don't know, 50 million years, I don't yeah. know, the last five or six years, it's essentially been a... I, I set up the library about five or six years ago. It's basically a, a small spare bedroom with yeah. shelves all around it. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it ended up being the laundry room and I physically haven't been able to get into it in like seven years. Awkward. Uh, so uh, me and um, Sharon, we made a deal yes. around some things, and <laughs> I've got my library back. Hello. Uh, so I bought some nice new IKEA bookshelves, put them up, uh-huh. sorted out all my books, put them all on the shelves, sorted out all my role playing games. Got a shelf full of box sets. I've got a shelf full of fifth edition. Got a shelf full of miscellaneous hardbacks. I've got all sorts of stuff. I've got I've got half a shelf full of maps. Nice. Which is like you know battle maps and all that sort of stuff. Because I had so many collected over the years. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. yeah. Um, sci-fi ones, fantasy ones, all sorts of stuff. We, we should take some pictures and stick it on the uh, on the listeners' podcast. Yeah, yeah. So they can critique your taste in books. Yeah. I also <laughs> discovered that some books that I know damn well that I used to own are not there. So oh, I don't it. know what's happened as I was over the years. I mean, they're either in this house somewhere, uh-huh. which, well, as you know, I've got a fairly cluttered house, so uh-huh. maybe, maybe they are. Uh-huh. Or I've lost them in the various moves I've done over the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Which is a bit of a shame because there's quite a lot of AD&D first edition stuff, which I've got Ooh. a real sort of nostalgic fondness for, mm-hmm. which I, on the moment, can't find. Oh, it's sad, huh? Yeah. Times. But still. Yeah. Shall we move on? Yes. So uh, what, we've, what, what has caught your eye in the world of RPGs this week, Peter? What has caught my eye in the world of RPGs? Well, there's been two things that have caught my eye and they will appeal to different groups oh, of people. Oh, you're cheating again. I am. <laughs> First is an ingenious... An ingenious encounter for crossing a gap, which is normally like, you know, it's a bridge, whatever. You have a fight on it, maybe, maybe don't, whatever. It's not that exciting. But this is essentially, if you imagine a Archimedes screw or just basically any sort of screw. It's like just a long thing with like um, grooves on and so forth. Screws, yeah. Excellent. I'm very pleased <laughs> um, And the idea is, is that you can only cross it by walking along the threads. Right. So it's sort of like by walking almost in place, you sort of slowly move along. So there's a couple of things to this. One is that you can't go backwards. Mm-hmm. And the second is like there's always going to be like a discrete space between you and the next person due to the grooves of the uh, grooves of the screw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is pre- pretty interesting. Yeah, just like mm-hmm. it's all very simple to explain and you just draw a picture and then people can work out where they are. Yeah. But then once you're actually doing it, instant complications ensue, especially if you're to be like some sort of, oh, I don't know, awful person, a.k.a. a GM, and throw in a combat encounter, perhaps with some flying things. Mm. So you're like, well, you're getting across the bridge and you're about half, so you've either got the party split, or you've got some on the bridge, some not, others, thing, and then it's like, it just presents a much more interesting tactical puzzle for players to get their teeth into. Cool. Yeah, you don't even need to use anything particularly big, like, you know, a couple of winged kobolds with some uh, slings would be a terrible thing to have happen hmm. to you. <laughs> um, excuse me. <laughs> Maniacal laugh. <laughs> what can I say? It made me giggle. Hmm, um, clearly. And the other was a very nice essay by a chap called uh, Rick Neal, I think his name is. And it's called I'm Sorry, But That's What My Character Would Do. Ah, yes. I think I've seen that linked. I haven't read it. Oh, yes, yes. Um, I, I just saw it today, so yeah. I thought I'd sneak it in because I really liked it. Mm. Um, a friend of mine linked it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty sweet. 
And essentially, it's looked at this chap's evolution as a gamer from the 80s and just ways you can grow as a character. So you can still have disagreements with your party, mm. but what you want to without do... Without scuffering the entire game. Without scuffering the entire yeah. game. Yeah. Work so you can have those disagreements, but resolve them. So you can have the disagreements, but your game still goes on. And yeah, it, it's not it's not revolutionary in many ways, but I think it's... With so many new new hobbyists coming to join us, I think it's always worth having that sort of advice, just so people can say, oh, yeah. Because yeah. Th- things we know are things people who've never come into hobby don't know. Yeah. Big difference. And yeah, I, I'm delighted that there are so many people wanting... I mean, one of the GMs I had this weekend, mm-hmm. it was his second time running D&D. Mm. And this was the Raftica chap. Mm-hmm. And the reason he was into it is because his brother's the top 10, of the top 10 magic players in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's... He really likes the thing. Not so big on the card game, but with this, he's come. I was had a really fun time. Um, I didn't really bother too much about knowing the rules or anything. I was just there to role play my little socks off, and it was fantastic. Cool. They handled it really well. That's giving me an idea for a topic of the week. We can say brilliant. I How about the top ten RPG crimes? When you say top ten RPG crimes, are you talking um, terrible things that? One does out of character in RPG or in character in RPG. While playing an RPG. Okay, uh, I will write that down. Top 10 RPG crimes. That's, yeah. that, that sounds really interesting. I uh, think it's a nice catchy title. I don't know how, how it will work out. I, I, I think we need to go to the people. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, would you like to know what caught my eye this week? I would love to know what caught your eye this week. So I, I in the uh, process of doing all this library stuff, yeah. I've been looking through a lot of my sort of 80s and 90s stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And one thing that I um, came up, I remembered, was um, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, another strangeness RPG oh. from back in the 90s. Now, I remember, and I don't really, don't remember how um, I didn't notice this at the time, but uh, we had a group, and uh, we had a group who were the, what was it, the, all spelt with Ks, yeah. just for the alliteration. Of course. But the, it was a killer Celtic... Cows. There was another K. I don't know. Well, I suddenly realised all those Ks. That's got a really, really unfortunate acronym, hasn't it? Yeah, you were playing in the KKK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, 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 we didn't notice that at the time. <laughs> I, just, I, I literally just realised that this week and just like, oh my god. It, okay. it, it doesn't have the same issues in the UK. It's like we well, like Ks, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, so I was just playing around and I decided to make yes. a random accidental anthropomorphic character generator. I see where you're coming from. From which you need 1d20. Ah, I have one here. You have one there. What a coincidence. What were the chances? Yes. So would you like to uh, generate a quick character? I would love to generate so a quick character. So we're going to that four times. Uh, four times? Yes. Ooh. Number one, it's a 12. Number 12, you are an urban. 14. Atomic. Four. Espionage. 15. Hippo. Urban Atomic Espionage Hippo. Yes. By Chinga. <laughs> now tell me you don't want to play that now. <laughs> I cannot because I do. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me try one. Okay. Go. Okay. So what have I got? I've got... What's that? 18? Is that an 18? Or is it that 16? 18. 18. 16. 16. 16. And on um, this we should have gone to Specsavers. Uh, 18. Huh? Furious. 12. Narcotic. 14. Outlaw and 14 again, kangaroo. Furious, narcotic, outlaw, kangaroo. Yes. 
So, starring in Tank Girls, <laughs> I think. Yeah. yeah. And I just had a load of fun with that. Yeah. I mean, I just had to come up. I just divided it into four columns. We got uh, Descriptor, Origin, uh-huh. Career, and Animal. And that was basically based mm. off the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Nice. So, Teenage yeah. is Descriptor, Mutant is its origin, Ninja are their career, and Animal is Turtle for them. Oh, that's amazing. So, I just came up with 20 of each. And I, I'm just having such fun with it that this is so definitely going to turn into something now. Oh, my, yes. It's, it has to. <laughs> it absolutely has to. But um, I've, I've, I've whacked this chart up in various places. I've put it on Twitter and Facebook and on my site and stuff like that. So if people want to check it out and have a laugh, no. just a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic. Looking, f- Yeah, I, it, it, it sounds like the sort of thing that may become a resource that I call upon from time to time. <laughs> Especially if I'm doing, oh, I don't know, some Feng Shui games. Mm. I need an antagonist. Then I know where to go. Exactly. <laughs> right, shall we do some news? Oh, yes, let's do the news. Shall we do the news? What's okay. happening in the world of RPGs, Russ? Well, did you know that it is an anniversary today? <gasps> I did not. In fact, it's uh, multiple anniversaries. What? It's like an uh, anniversathon. That's not even a word, but it is one, nevertheless. Well, if it was, I'm sure I wouldn't pronounce it correctly. But please. Continue. So, it is the 30th anniversary of Shadowrun. Hello. It is the 35th anniversary of Battletech. What? And, this is the big one, ooh, ooh. it is Dungeons & Dragons' 45th birthday. Goodness. Yep. 45 years old. 1974 yep. is, uh, is when D&D launched. Mm. And um, the exact date isn't actually known. Uh-huh. So, um, John Peterson, who's a sort of D&D historian and journalist, uh-huh. pegs it as the last Sunday in January, which would have been yesterday as we're recording it. That's, wow, that's And that really would be interesting. D&D's 45th birthday. Um, some people do disagree slightly. So, some say it's January the 26th, yeah, yeah. which was the last Sunday of the January of 1974. Uh-uh-uh. Some people say it's January the 30th, uh-huh. and that's the date on the copyright filing of the game. But that was filed uh-huh. two years later as a yeah, yeah, yeah. copyright filing. So... Mm. And some people choose January the 15th as that's the trademark date. Oh. Although that's not when the book, the game actually came out. Right. So 45 years ago, roughly this week, I think yeah. we can sort of say, roughly this week, um, Dungeons that- & Dragons 45th birthday, first edition, was yes. um, it's this boxed set uh-huh. in a wood grain box. I've got a picture of it here. Look. Ooh. By Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. Yeah. And uh, it has three classes. Uh-huh. The fighting man, the magic user, and the cleric. Ooh. It had four races, yep. human, dwarf, elf, and notably hobbit, not halfling. Nice. And three alignments, lawful, neutral, and chaotic. Mm. And this edition actually had things like barrogs and uh, ints and things like that, which ended up being changed. Mm. And, yeah, and, and the hobbits as well. The Tolkien estate uh, was like, yes. Nope. <laughs> the Tolkien estate was not happy. <laughs> um, so there's, there's three books in this wood grain box. Um, they were called Men and Magic, Monsters mm. and Treasure, and uh, The Underworld and Wilderness Adventures. Nice. And uh, I don't have one. You can get them on eBay. They are not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I would love one. I'd love one, but... It's really it's too. It's too much. Yeah. For, yeah. It's, uh, for, for us, but yeah. still, a piece of history. Yeah, nice. exactly. And so there's this letter that Guy Guts wrote to Arneson 45 years ago. I've got this little snippet of it here on the side. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it says, Rules, D&D, only a few days from printing. Look great. Best, Gary. Fantastic. They're clearly written on lines notepaper with a with a biro. Yeah. I, I tell you this is really, really spooky for me, sort mm-hmm. of thing. And because I obviously I had I, I actually honestly had no idea mm-hmm. because it's not I'm not really a big man for anniversaries. 
but yesterday I was looking at my like my Facebook timeline was giving me like yeah. history of stuff and over like the past 10 years or something I have consistently been doing something pretty geeky running role playing games mm. creating stuff and a lot of my best and original work has been done round about this time of year yeah. so yeah clearly something about the stars aligning right Savage Worlds. The start of Savage Worlds. Yes. Um, they've launched the Savage Worlds Adventurers Guild. I'm listening. So um, this isn't like the D&D Adventurers Guild. It's more like oh. the uh, more like the D&D Dungeon Master. Oh, right, right, right. So basically okay. it's a, a community... It's not, it's not Adventurers League. It's a... Adventurers League, yeah. It's, it's a yeah. community content program. It's like the Guild Master. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Um, so yeah. you can, uh, in partnership with Joy Through RPG, you mm-hmm. can go and produce uh, various... Items for Savage Worlds, sell them legally on Drive Through RPG, share the profits with um, Pinnacle Entertainment Group, mm. and make a little bit of money with your fan created material. That in the same way that DM's Guild does it. That is pretty relevant to my interest. I'll be honest. You've got access to the Savage Worlds rules, complete mm-hmm. access to the rules. What you Ooh. don't have access to, unlike the DM's Guild, you don't have access to any of their sort of settings. Okay. Like Deadlands or mm. Risks of Savage Worlds or any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You don't have access to that. So it's just okay. it's literally the rules. Yeah, but I think that's half the fun of Savage Worlds creating your own stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm intrigued, I'll be honest. Uh so uh where are we? So, uh, certainly a big move for Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. absolutely, absolutely. And that might be why we did last week an article about someone who had to change had to uh take out their license. Yeah, yeah, I remember you mentioning that, yeah. Yeah, because it, it came up, they, they, couldn't, yes, they couldn't keep yeah. doing it because of changes in license, and that might be why, because if they change the license so you can't use established settings, yeah. that would be a big problem for some people yeah. Yeah, who are already producing existing stuff. Sure. Okay, so that's, that's interesting. It's a, it's a bold move, uh, so let's see if it pays off for that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, moving on then, so we got, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the 30th anniversary of Shadowrun and the 30th anniversary of Battletech. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a brand new Battletech beginner box. Ooh. Um, it's got um, art by Griffin of a, of a Griffin mech on the front cover. You can see it here. Look, big okay. blue mech there. Yeah, big um, blue. Yeah, it's a box set. 1999 uh, comes with two uh, plastic minis of the Griffin and the Wolverine. There's mm-hmm. a 24 page quick start rule book, a hex map, four skill cards, um, and a 48 page novella. Uh, along with oh. dice and bits and pieces, record sheets and cardboard tokens and bits and pieces like that. Okay. It's like fun. But that's yep. from Catalyst and uh, what are they called? Catalyst Labs, is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Catalyst Game Labs, yeah. Catalyst Game Labs. Yes. Right. And there's a, a new core box set for Battletech. Um, and that comes with eight miniatures, uh-huh. uh, a 48-page novella again, a 48-page rulebook, 16-page record sheet booklet, Eight pilot cards, various other cards, a couple of hex maps, um, the 16-page primer on the Battletech universe, uh-huh. reference cards, tokens, all that sort of stuff, uh, all for fifty nine ninety nine. Okay. I'm actually quite tempted to pick that one up. That it, sounds quite good. I, 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 yeah, I'm, it's just like, I don't know how I'd play it because it's a bit outside my wheelhouse. It's one of those things where if someone said, would you like to play Battletech? I'd be like, oh, hell yes. Yeah. And jump on it. And then the thing is, once I've played it once, then I'm like, oh, okay, I sort of know how this works. Yeah. I would then go and run it for other people. Yeah. <laughs> so this is so cool. You should play this game, guys, you guys. Because, yeah, what can I say? Frothing fanboy. Hmm. All right, moving on. I'm uh, moving on to Shadowrun. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, Shadowrun No Future. 
196 page sh- uh, source book yes. for Shadowrun 5th edition mm-hmm. um, Shadowrun Anarchy and whatever version of Shadowrun you play mm-hmm. again from Catalyst Game Labs yes yeah absolutely it's a, a cyberpunk source book that details the day-to-day life of the average person in the sixth world, as well as the many opportunities Shadowrunners would have to exploit them. From media, to sports, to SimSense, to music, to movies, to pirate news, to opera. This is the biggest glimpse we've gotten at the lifestyle and media of the Shadowrun world since probably the original first edition Shadow Beat sourcebook from 1992. You can pick that up in PDF format for 24.99. Mm. 196 pages. That. That, that's, a, that, that's a lot of flavour. Mm. <clears throat> and there's another Shadowrun source book, Shadowrun Chicago Chaos. Oh, yeah, so. uh, Written for the Shadowrun Anarchy system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Shadowrun Anarchy is a sort of streamlined, more narrative-based system yes. with a sort of rules-like mentality brought to, mm-hmm. to Shadowrun. Um, hasn't had a massive amount of support since okay. it was launched a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, it's the anniversary and all that sort of stuff. Um, so uh, Shadowrun Chicago Chaos... Um, has new contact briefs, characters, plots, and other stuff that is uh, designed to drop players right into Chicago post-Bug City. Again, PDF, 1999, that one. Okay, so a book full of plots, basically. Yeah, looks like it, yeah. Pretty sweet. Uh, Monty Cook Games has a a big old uh, humble bundle going on. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, If you've been looking to get into Numenera, Uh this is a good opportunity, because even at just a dollar... You get uh, DRM-free PDFs of all the core rule books mm. and more. You get eight books in total for just a dollar. That's good value. And at fifteen dollars, uh-huh. you get twenty-eight rule books and source books and ventures oh. and stuff with a retail value of two hundred and sixty dollars. Nice. So if you if you've been unsure, this sounds like the ideal way to do it. It also supports um, the uh, LGBTQ plus suicide prevention charity. It gets better. Oh, fantastic. So we'll oh, stick wait. a link in the show notes to that. Yeah, and that's running until when? Uh, Wednesday, February the 6th. Fantastic. So, I mean, if you want 28 role-playing game books for for $15, um, get in to yeah. get to Humble Bundle and fill your boots. You can't go wrong there, can you? No, very hard to. And for a good cause as well. Um, our editor, Daryl, made a video. Have you seen it? I have seen have it. you watched it? I have. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, I it's liked good. it. Yeah. Um, so what he's done, he's um, he's taken the uh, AD&D first edition book, yes. Deities and Demigods. Yes. And because um, uh, the Cthulhu mythos was removed from that book. Yes. And there's been a lot of sort of misinformation. Uh, and the old record moment bonus stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's been lots of sort of theories about why that happened and what went That's... on. So Darren's decided to try and kind of dig into what actually happened. Mm. Um, so he's put this video up and uh, uh, talked about the various sort of conversations that took place between different companies mm. and sort of Chaosium and uh, TSR at the yeah. time and... Some of the things that various people like um, Michael Moorcock, Tolkien Estate, yeah, and then and then all the individual people who were working at these yeah. companies at the time. It's, yeah. it's a really interesting little video. I'm, yeah, it's really worth. We'll stick a link to that. Oh, absolutely. So if you're interested in a bit of D and D history, yeah, it's totally, totally worth watching. No, absolutely. It's um, strange, strange, strange old days back in those days, hmm. but definitely fun. Um, so you know D and D Beyond. This is the. A computerized system which supports generation of Dungeons and Dragons characters. Yes. Yeah. 
So they've uh, decided to publish the stats on how often various D&D adventures are viewed. Ooh. So this is just the adventures, so it doesn't include things like the Ravnica book or oh, okay. the Face Handbook or anything like that. It's just the adventures straight. And right. um, they've uh, ranked them in order of uh, number of views Okay. Uh, over the lifetime of D&D Beyond. Okay. So make, make, do you want to make a guess? I don't know if, if it's possible to guess this, because 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, there's 11 right. different adventures that have been reduced, uh, released. Um, Lost Minds of Fandelver is consistently recommended as being very good model style. there at number four. Okay. I... Which was the worst one? Or the least, not worst, the least viewed one. Oh, oh, that's a tricky one. Maybe Rise of Tiamat? Rise of Tiamat. Hey! What a good guess. Yeah. yeah. Probably because people tried to play Horde of the Dragon Queen, got horrendously beaten up, mm. and then thought better of it. That game is hard, man. Yeah. It's fun, but... You don't, I, I wouldn't, that is not my choice for new players. The most viewed one <laughs> yeah. is Waterdeep Dragon Heist. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Most viewed ever. Not, these aren't sales. Yeah, yeah but most These viewed. are just people who have looked at that adventure or part of that adventure or a patient. Oh, okay. but, yeah. Um, so at the top we've got Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Oh, no, but it ties exactly with Curse of Strahd. Curse of Strahd is pretty strong. In my opinion, it's their best adventure. Well, I haven't played all of them, but... I, I'm, I'm not going to disagree. Mm. I think it's definitely one of their most popular. Well, I mean, on EN World, it scored 90%. Oh, that's amazing. If you compare that to Horde of the Dragon Queen, which got 52.5%, it's a big difference. It is, yeah. Tomb of Annihilation. That came in at number three. Oh, well, I was going to say that. that, that That's the, the Chilton setting. I don't know. It's just something about it that sets my blood fizzing. Mm. And I've been doing a lot of stuff with that. So, mm. yeah. I'm just okay. flipping through the list in order because Waterdeep Dragonized. Yeah. And Curse of Strahd, okay. tied for number one. Mm-hmm. Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah. Lost Mine of Fandelver. Okay, can't argue. Storm King's Thunder. I've heard amazing things about that. Uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen. It's it's an original one, yeah. Uh, Tales from the Yawning Portal. That's that, that's basically, there's a lot of different adventures in there, so that's mm. worthwhile, yeah. Out of the Abyss, which I really like. I, I could see Out of the Abyss being very good, yeah. Uh, but we're nearing the bottom of the list now. Waterdeep Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Third from bottom. Well, yeah, I mean, that requires some, like, relatively high-level play. But mm. I can see it being very good, yeah. Uh, Princes of the Apocalypse, which I think is thematically my least, the one I'm least interested in. I've not played it, and yeah. I, so I'm not speaking to the quality of the actual adventure, but thematically, just, I, it's I've, not my... I've not had anything to do with yeah. myself, so I can't And then Rise of Tiamat right at the bottom, like you said. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, like, Rise of Tiamat, I'm sure. I'm actually looking forward to playing it, mm. but I think what it was... What that and Hold of Dragon Queen was sold as was like, this is like your starting adventures, yeah. and they don't. It's interesting the difference yeah. between Waterdeep Dragon Heist and Waterdeep Dungeon of the Mad Mage because they came out, yeah. what, two weeks apart? If that, yeah. Really, really close to each other. Yeah. We got Waterdeep Dragon Heist right at the top of the list, yeah. and right down near the bottom, third from last, Waterdeep Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Uh-huh. It's interesting how different the two. They are, they are very different books, though. Hmm. I'm like... just trying to think of why, why would it be that one is viewed so much more than the other? Because Waterdeep Dragon Heist is selling itself as a heist involving a dragon. But there's no heist or dragon. There is not. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, if I was going to look at something, I've, if I did, like, I'm like, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. It's a good it's, name. It's a it's very a, good name. And there's one thing we appreciate on this podcast, it's good names. Yes. Unfortunately, if this was yes. the Kickstarter game, and you were trying to guess what Waterdeep Dragon Heist was based on just the name, you'd probably score like minus a million out. I, I would be so excited about it as well. It would be... It would you'd be, be like, oh, it's just Ocean's Eleven with a dragon. That's going to be amazing. 
Exactly. But apparently you can't even take water you can't even take dragons to water deep. It's canonically guarded against it. <laughs> so, I do think Ocean's Eleven but I want to play that game Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Well you'll have to write it first, I'm afraid. I know, Russ, thanks. Okay. <laughs> it's it's always the way you always you always end up um writing the games you want to play in. Yeah. Oh. Um, so finally in the news, um, Chris Perkins of Wizards of the Coast has oh, teased yeah. some map sketches. Ooh. Um, so he says these may or may not be an upcoming D&D product. Uh-huh. Who knows? But basically, these are, we'll put a link in the show notes so the listeners can see them. But basically, this one's like got like the Tower of Storms and there's lots of... Oh, yeah. There's it's clearly a, a, an island with a bridge sort of kind of walkway going over to it a causeway some kind of, yeah a causeway yeah. that's the word that's mm-hmm. the word mm-hmm. um, with um, some kind of island with a building on it oh yeah, yeah I'm guessing that this might be keep... linked to that nautical book that they've got coming out this spring oh yeah. but I then would... again if he's just doing sketches now it doesn't seem oh yeah well, don't know don't we'll, know. we'll see we'll see um, it might just be early concept art that's yeah. uh, not been developed so but, that's the thing so the other one he did was Dragon Barrow which is Oh, Russ, you're looking at it. The head's at the bottom. Hmm? The head's at the bottom. Head? Yeah. That's the head of the dragon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are wings. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was like a Klingon symbol. I was a bit confused. Yeah. But so it's basically that's... a burial mound, which is kind of shaped like a dragon. And then underneath, there's a catacomb. A dragon with its wing outstretched. Yeah. yeah. No, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. And someone did actually um, think, that looks, that the shape of that thing looks a bit like a Spelljammer-esque dragon ship I, from I, above. I, yeah. I think there's a lot of people who are... Wanting things that aren't happening. Mm. Which is Who knows? Who knows? We we don't know. Um, but yeah, that is true. We do not know. We do not know. We can cannot hope. be denied. We cannot. We cannot be denied that we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we can neither confirm nor deny rumours that the Dragon Barrow is in the shape of a Spelljammer ship. Yeah. Uh, right. I think that's it for the news. Oh, fantastic! Well, all, all all sorts of exciting stuff going on. Yeah. 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 Peter. That's Russ. How would you like to play our favourite game in all the world? I'd love to play our favourite game in all the world. Remind me, what's it called again? (laughs) (laughs) The game where I give you the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. Oh, so I suppose I should put the Scrabble set back then. Yes, please, (laughs) please do. I don't know where you came up with that Scrabble set. (laughs) Horrible, horrible thing. So, what's the first one? Number one. Number one. What is Wolf Spell? Ooh. Interesting. Wolf spell all one word or two words? One word. Wolf spell. It sounds like it might be an original system setting. I would be thinking it's a sort of like the paranormal romance role playing game system, like uh, Bitten by Kelly Armstrong, where you've got like modern day and there are werewolves kicking around in the city, you know, like wolves in the city. And this is. Uh, yeah, the role-playing game system and setting to support that. Uh, where there's like a... You've got your werewolves, but to differentiate it from, say, Werewolf the Apocalypse and all that jazz, you've got them has like sort of more sort of like magical keepers uh, of the wilds and so forth and pushing back against the increasing pollution of Mother Earth, which doesn't really differentiate a lot, but yeah, it could for government work. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure I'm nowhere near, but how am I doing? Not well, not no. well. No. Um, yeah, you sort of, well, you know, you're not, uh, it's not cataclysmic. It's like you get three <laughs> out of ten. Woo! Um, so, Wolfsbump, it's an original RPG system. Yeah. Now, this is a quick starter, so it's only a 14 day one. Oh, uh, getting quick. Ends, ends in, on Sunday, February the 3rd. 
Right. Uh, so um, this, this, is, this is the fun bit. It's yeah. going to be published as the liner notes of a record album jacket. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sword and sorcery game yeah. about adventurers who have transformed themselves into wolves yeah. in order to complete some dire quest. And it says it plays like a proggy metal concept album. Ah. Okay, yeah. Um, so when you're asked to roll, you roll um, a blood die and a wolf die and see which mm-hmm. is higher. And that will tell you whether your wolf is guided by human knowledge and experience or by beast-like instinct. Nice. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's a so RPG it's, system. It's uh, published on a trifold LP jacket that folds out to a single three foot by one foot panel of wolf metal art. Describes oh. itself as a towering spectacle of a role playing game. Those, those, it's certainly got a lot. Of, it's making a lot of promises with that. <laughs> it sounds interesting. I can give yeah, you that. It's, yeah. uh, it's caught my eye. It's, uh, yeah, no. It's, uh, okay. I, I, I'm. I love it when people I'm play intrigued. with format and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, it's it certainly. I think it would certainly be a good thing to have on the bookcase and like you bring it out, you'd be like, yeah, we're playing Wolf Spell. Mm. And, and then you um, whack on like, um, oh, what's that hard, what's the hardest song in um, Guitar Hero called? I have no idea. I've never played Guitar Hero. It's, uh, it's by a prog metal band. I cannot remember for the life of me. Something like Through the Fear and Flame or something. Uh, I'm not really yeah. into prog metal either, so I couldn't tell you. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I just assumed. <laughs> <laughs> Do I look like I would be? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, so... Really no, 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 no. Right, okay, right, three, right. three out of ten for that. Yeah, but but I am pleased. It's it's better than what I was originally thinking of. So okay. good work, Wolfspell. All right, the next one. Yes? Are you ready? I'm ready. What is... Yes. Destination Danger. Sounds like a lot of fun to me. I think that is... Have I seen this? Online? I don't know. Have you seen I don't this? know. Well, Destination Danger. The name says to me... Uh, like the de- the use of the word destination in particular evokes for me a very specific sort of um, destination colon danger. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping, yeah. So that evokes for me a very sort of like 40s and 20s to 40s because that's like a lot of books around that time in my head have that mm-hmm. as as part of the title. Uh, so I'm hoping for I guess a pulp action action adventure sort of thing. Yeah, uh, I want a, a nice rules like pulp action adventure. System and setting where you can just like basically say, is it pulp? Yes, we've got you covered. Blam. And you can do stuff like that. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Seven out of oh. ten. Eight oh. out of ten. Okay, you eight out of ten. What? Okay, you sure so okay? um, you said uh, 20s to 40s. Yes. What's the exact middle of that? 30s. 1930. Really? Uh, and this is a pocket-sized role-playing adventure set in the 1930s. So spot so, on. Rules like, yeah. yeah. Sweet. Um, it's in the format of a card deck. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, so the Destination Danger deck contains all the information you need uh-huh. for quick and fun um, role-playing experiences that can be run in as little as 25 minutes. 25 minutes role-playing game. Mm. That sounds pretty... That actually sounds pretty useful. I might see if I can release some club funds for so buying a copy. I'm looking at a character here. So on the front, we've got a picture of... It's a card. Yeah. On the front, we've got a picture of Ellen Doutsey, the novelist. Uh, and on the back, yeah. we've got a, a sort of a paragraph of description. Mm-hmm. And then she's got uh, five stats, strength, mm-hmm. defense, intelligence, speed, and health. Yeah. And that's, basically, that's basically the character. Yes. Now, I, I, I think I did see an ad for that on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, it's very distinctive art style. Really nice. Um, yeah, it totally fits in with the period, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. P- period, period 30s art style. Uh, yeah. Man. But yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, it's fun, that. Yeah. 25 minutes, I'd love to see that run. 
How would you... I'm assuming that doesn't involve the telling people how to play it and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's just like crack on and do it. Yeah, yeah. once you know how to play it, it's, mm. it could be fun. Yeah, no, um, Destination Danger. And when, when does Destination Danger end? Somewhere? Oh, Destination Danger ends February the 6th, next Wednesday. February the 6th, next Wednesday. Okay. One week from when this podcast goes out. Fantastic. It's fun finding Kickstarters that haven't ended before the podcast goes out. I know it's it's like a new thing I'm going to try where I ask you when it ends, mm. just so it's relevant to people in some fashion. Okay, the next one is yes. Dark Places and Demogorgons of the Cryptid Manual. Oof, Cryptid a... being C-R-Y-P-T-I-D. Yeah, it means like um, a known beastie of some kind. So what's it? Dark Plains and... Dark Places and Dark... Demogorgons. Yeah, and then... The cryptid, colon, colon. The cryptid manual. Well, it's a bestiary of some description. Um, it is a hell of an evocative title. I'm like, yeah, tell me more about this. Um, so I definitely picked it up, which is always a good start mm. for having a title on your book, getting people to click through and see what it is. Uh, why the cryptid manual? Hmm. Now, Demogorgon, that is, I'm pretty sure that's not a regular mythology thing. So that seems to me to be. A definite reference to D and D and D and D style things. Oh, what's it called? Dark. Sorry. I think Demogorgonese. I'm not, sure, I'm not 100 sure. Just this thing in my head, just saying it is. I don't know. I might be wrong. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. I'm sure people will uh, be more than delighted to write it and tell me I'm wrong. Nice. <laughs> I, I like it really. Um, <laughs> if you can tell me where it actually comes from, I'm super. I'd be super interested. Okay. So dark place. Dark places. Mm. Right. I don't know, man. It sounds like. And this is almost certainly wrong, but it sounds like um, the sort of the monster manual for Stranger Things. Yeah, you're on the nine, uh, ten, nine, ten, ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Is it? Yeah. Basi- <laughs> basically. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a game called Dark Places and Demogorgons, which yep. obviously has... Right. Yeah. Uh, the Cryptid Manual is essentially their vestry. Yes. Uh, their monster manual, as it were. Oh. Um, mon- creatures like Bigfoot, the Mothman, the Jersey Devil, the Pope Lick Monster. What's that? Is that a thing? I have no idea. Uh, the Chupacabra, awesome. Gremlins, yeah. Lake Monsters, and stuff like that. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Right. So yeah, basically, it's the monster manual for Dark Places and Demogorgons. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Like, when when does that kickstart, friend? That Thursday, February seventh. February Thursday, February seventh. So that that's an, that's another like gift from past Peter to future Peter waiting to happen. Yeah. Okay. The next one. Yes. Next one. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we've done this one before. What's the name? Between sun and shadow. If it's the one where you've got humans and vampires running around the world to avoid being blasted that by stuff. That is the one that we have done. I'm trying to check. Then, no, that's not yeah. actually it. Okay. It's, yeah. That's, that's, what I, that's when I saw that title. I, I thought that immediately too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not that. I'm just looking at it. Okay, so, so it's not the one we've done before. Damn, now I have to think of what it could be. Ooh, uh, between Sun and Shadow. Um, what is Between Sun and Shadow? Because I guess there's like a really thin interstitial line between like the sunlit world and the place where the sun isn't shining, which is the shadow. Uh, so I guess you could look at it as some sort of um, like, you know, the night watch, day watch, twilight watch sort of thing. And there's a this sort of ongoing battle in a binary good evil situation um, where like the, I don't know, was it, is it between sun and shadow? Mm. Yeah. Um, and I guess, we're looking for player characters to introduce some sort of shades of grey or something like that. Um, so I'm 
going to go with Systematic? I don't know. I'm intrigued, but um, it's an evocative name. But uh, yeah, not, not 100% sure. One out of ten. Okay, fair enough. Had some of the title. You can have one out of ten, or you can have three out of three hundred. Which of those two scores would you prefer? Oh, three out of three hundred every time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, this is a campaign setting. Yes. For uh, the Tiny D Six, a Tiny Dungeon Second Edition game. Oh, that rings bells. Uh, not sure if I've seen Tiny Dungeons, but yeah. Anyway, please continue. <coughs> so it's a sandbox style campaign setting uh-huh. with uh, advanced alchemy. Yep. Clockwork technology okay. and a powerful new magic system. So there's a, a world called Siran where half the world is in perpetual daylight, other mm-hmm. continual darkness, as you said. That's where you get your. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing that you got. <laughs> so that's where you yeah. get the score from. Uh, and the wondrous creations of master alchemists and clockwork engineers help create a thriving society. Okay. There you go. That's what that is. All right. Hmm. Uh, there's one left which looks very very easy I think you're going to get it but let's quickly do it let's do it so this is the superverse ooh now we're talking so this sounds like a sort of off brand not sponsored by Marvel or DC but if you squint you'll see that it you can make all sorts of things like the the Smolverine and the Smunisher and um, Arachnid Man and it's like a superhero generating game we can have all sorts of heroes coming together and having like a massive crossover sort of thing hmm uh three out of ten. Oh, okay so it's a campaign setting book interesting uh for various systems including mm. supers revised rpg icons assembled champions complete bash ultimate edition and super game third edition that seems entirely reasonable. I'm not a man big into my superhero RPGs. Of those, the only one I, I've got icons upstairs. So I haven't got any of the others. I've I've heard of icons. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's a campaign source book. It was originally designed for Supers Revised, which is a mm-hmm. rules light RPG yep. published by Hazard Hazard Studios. Yep. And um, there's uh, additional editions of it for you know icons, bash, super game, mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. So this contains this specific uh, source book contains stats and origins for the Freedom Ring and the Iron Gauntlet, Ooh. five superheroes and seven supervillains. Yep. Um, four interlinked adventures designed to introduce all of those characters into your games, mm-hmm. plus new characters and organizations, a timeline of the superverse. And uh, uh, the city of Del Rey, which is a fictionalised version of San Francisco where the adventures are set. Okay, yeah. That, like, not what I said, but I, I've not heard. It, it sounds like if you click from the super first, you'll get things that you like. Yes. Yeah. Well, there we go. That is our favourite game of all the world over for another week. Woohoo! Woohoo! Woohoo indeed. You did yeah. destroy the world this week. I'm pleased to say. Yes, it's a gift. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can put this aside now. Yes. Uh, so we've got a sketch here sent in uh, by Richard Kirk. Thank you again, Richard Kirk. This is the third sketch Richard has sent in, and they're always excellent. Yes. Um, as always, if you want to send us in a sketch, uh-huh. um, send it in to morrispodcast at gmail.com, and we will do our best to perform it. We might not be any good, but, you know, we'll give it a go. Enthusiastic amateurs. That's um, the best we can hope yes. for. And so without further ado, this one is called And Then What? by Richard Kirk. Let's go. And now, Sir Jenning, noble paladin and saviour of all, you are defeated. You may think you have me, Lord Draxus, but I have one last trick up my sleeve. Yes? Amulet of power. 
activate. <laughs> what, this amulet of power? Ah. I'm afraid my minions found that while you were unconscious. You see, you really have no way of escaping those magical bonds. It would be a shame if you weren't able to watch my final victory over the Eight Realms. You fiend! You will never succeed. Nothing can stop my great necro-cataclysm. <laughs> Once this final black crystal is placed upon my dread altar, every living thing in the Eight Realms will become my undead slave. <laughs> and then what? What? Well, once the whole world has been turned into mindless undead slaves. I will rule the Eight Realms. I, Lord Draxus, Death Lord of Dagmorden, will reign supreme. My undead empire will cover the entire world. Yes, yes, I see that. The Black Crystal will power your necromantic machine and turn every living thing into your mindless slave. Exactly. But then what? What? Well, what will you do after that? I will reign supreme. Over an entire world of mindless undead? Yes. Oh. What? Wouldn't that be a bit dull? 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 I alone will rule over the entire world. But what for? For? What will there be to do? You won't have anyone to talk to. No one left to conquer. Nowhere to invade. What will you actually do once you reign supreme? Well, I'll... I mean, I'll... D does it matter? Oh, not to me. I'll be a mindless zombie, unable to think or feel. I just think you might get a bit bored, being the only person in the world able to think or feel. Oh. But if you're sure, you should probably pop the old black crystal onto the dread altar and get this over with. Hmm. You don't fancy a bit of an escape first. One last go at it all before I destroy you once and for all? No, no. That's fine. Necro cataclysm away. So... Even if I was to casually leave this amulet where you could reach it and turn my back, you wouldn't fancy a bit of a heroic escape? I suppose I could be persuaded. Well, I'll just... Amulet of Power, activate! Curse you, Sir Jenning! No, not the Black Crystal! Your necro-cataclysm is foiled, and I, once again, am the hero! All right, don't milk it. Who are you trying to impress? Now clear off. You have thwarted me for the last time, Sir Dwenning, my... Ugh, what's the point? So shall we, uh, shall we move on to our topic of the week? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I know I also wanted to mention, which we keep forgetting to mention. What do we keep forgetting to mention? Because we we've been talking about D&D's birthday, we've been talking about Shadowruns, we've yes. been talking about Battle Yes. We passed yes. over seven months of our podcast. What? And we, we mentioned this to each other like three weeks ago, yes. and two weeks ago, and last week. And each time we went, oh, we forgot to mention it in the podcast. So yes. about a month ago, <laughs> I can't remember what it was exactly. We started, what, early June, so yeah, July, yeah. August, September, October, November, mm -hmm. December, January. Yeah, so we yeah. passed seven months of our oh, podcast. It's just flown by. It has flown by. Uh, we'd like to thank it. All of our listeners, the ones who've been with us since the beginning, um, Tyler, you know we like you, um, and all the ones who just come and joined, so yeah. And the ones that stopped listening, we don't thank you, but you'll never know because you stopped listening. Yeah, I mean, if you decide to come back and start listening again, then sweet. But it's okay, we understand. People are busy, and not everyone needs to know the latest and greatest RPG news. Everyone does need it. Well, need is probably a strong word. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. <laughs> 
Hello everyone, your editor Daryl here. The guy spent a very, very long time talking about Dragonlance, and I just wanted to warn you now that there's going to be many spoilers for the novels and, by association, the adventures that follow. There's also a lot more of this discussion available on our bonus content episode on patreon.com slash morris. Available the following day after each podcast, Patreon backers get access to an exclusive episode full of content that there just wasn't room for in the main podcast, off-topic discussions, flubs, and a lot more. So if you want to know more about Dragonlance and get bonus content for all of our other episodes, head over to patreon.com slash morris and help support the show. Uh, what's, that, what's that on the table? Uh, it appears to be a pair of microphones. <laughs> In between the microphones. Um, a rather nice cup of tea. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, can, I can see rest. where this is going. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's, is it a D20? No. Uh, what we have is, well, it's uh, marked DL19130. And for those of you who are or like, what is that? And there are those of you who are going to be going, ah, could it be? And yes, yes, it could. AD&D, Dragonlance, official game adventure, Dragons of Despair by Tracy Hickman. The first Dragonlance adventure. Yeah, and I must say... Um, and one of my favourite pieces of RPG art of all time on the front of it, Dragons of Despair. Mm. It's the first of, I think it was 14 modules. I can't remember exactly. It's about 14 mm. modules, Mm-mm. which was the... Uh, uh, the entire Dragonlance saga, yeah, um, and which was probably one of the earliest examples of an adventure path before the word even existed, the phrase even existed. Uh, an adventure path, and I think arguably actual play. Uh, well, yeah, of course, because um, the Dragonlance books, the Dragonlance Chronicles, were being written about the same time, and mm. the characters, the, uh, because uh, this, this this module, if I, if I open it up here, this Dragons of Despair, yeah. comes with pre-generated characters for you to play. Ooh. And if you look at those pre-generated characters, you will see that those pre-generated characters are Tannis, Goldmoon, Tasselhoff, etc. Yeah. The characters from... Um, yeah, the Dragonlance Chronicles. The, the Dragonlance novels, yes. Yeah. Um, so basically, the, uh, the, the novels and the um, modules were kind of being written at the same time. I'm not sure which started first and which caught up and then went ahead. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that the uh, modules started first and then the books eventually sort of caught up and started going ahead. And mm, mm, mm. um, so it kind of switched from being the uh, the books were being written based on the novel uh, modules to vice versa, I think, mm. okay. to, to an extent. Or one, one of those two ways around. Anyway, um, so this is Dragons of Despair, what we've got in front of us right here, which is a you know, DL1. It's got a picture of a black dragon breathing acid down on... Um, that, would be Caram- that would be Caraman, who's uh, deflecting it with a shield. You can yeah. see... Uh, Gold moon there with the uh, blue crystal staff. Oh, yeah. And that is Tannis there pointing an arrow, rather pointlessly, at the dragon. Uh, I, yeah, I think I think he needs to get a bit more back on target because currently he's going to wing it at best. Yeah, and then we've got Flint there as well. Flint Fire Forge. It's a gorgeous piece oh, of art. I love yeah. that piece of art. Um, Strong looking book. Yeah, so this, this um, the Dragon Lance campaign setting surely this must be just before they're about to recover the discs of uh, Mishakal surely I'm not sure that's, I'm not sure that's an exact scene to be honest yeah. because the only time they actually face kiss out the dragon yeah in the books is when it bursts out of the well and yeah. then kills um, Riverwind yeah yeah who then gets resurrected spoilers oh uh, <laughs> oh no um, um. so I don't that, I don't know that's an actual scene from the book it's just oh. kind of but, but even so mm. I mean Dragonlance was the first D&D setting that I 
got into, and mm. arguably I'd say is my favourite DC setting. Yeah. Ravenloft comes a close second, but I think Dragonlance mm. wins for me. Oh yeah, a bit of Kryn. You know we stand with a bit of Kryn. Yeah. And I've got I've got memories of reading the um Dragonlance Chronicles and the Dragonlance Legends. Oh yes, the the Tales of the Twins of Raceland and yeah. Caramon. Yes. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So for you know, those who don't know, so the Dragonlance setting is set yeah. in the world of Kryn. Yes. Um, and it's obviously a dragon-focused setting. Mm. So uh, as, as it opens yes. with uh, Dragons of Despair or mm-hmm. um, it's the accompanying novel, which is uh, Dragons of Autumn Twilight. Yeah. Um, so dragons haven't been seen for hundreds of years. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're mythical Long creatures. Nobody's, mm. Nobody really believes they existed. Past into history. Same with the gods. There were no clerics. Yes. The gods haven't been around for hundreds of years. Not yep. since a massive cataclysm sort of uh, yes. uh, uh, badly affected the world. Yeah, the priest king of Ishtar managed to... Anger the gods, who yeah. threw a meteorite down on, on the world and, yeah. and, and Ca- then left. Ca- caught an asteroid between the eyes. Yeah. So that, basically, you know you've messed up. So basically, everyone thinks dragons are mythical. Yeah. Everyone thinks the gods are mythical. Other mm. than that, it's a fairly standard fantasy world. Other than that, you've got your yeah. elves who live in Qualinest, the forest of Qualinesti. Yeah. The haughty... Um, Sylvanesti elves. Sylvanesti elves. Yeah. You've got the dwarves who are hidden away in Thorbardin. Mm. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, the plains, uh, which have the uh, barbarian tribes. You know, it's fairly standard standard stuff, apart from the, yeah. those two major plot elements. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's been some... There's some fairly nice parts in it, like... Uh, the currency is steel yes. rather than gold. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, you know, steel is more valuable to people. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I suppose you could take your wealth and turn it into a sword. Yeah. yeah. And so the, at the start of the um, adventure, basically, mm-hmm. these dragon armies are forming. Mm. And these are starting to march across the continent of Ancelon on yes. the world of Corinne and starting to, you know, they're not very nice. No. Basically, they're led by dragon lords. Yes. Um, and there's five dragon armies, one for each chromatic colour, red, oh, black, okay. white, yep. green yep. and blue. Yeah. Then you've got the five dragon lords. So the red dragon lord was Verminard. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, the uh, blue dragon lord was, spoiler, 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 Kitiara, <gasps> one of the, bum, who was bum, originally bum. part of the... Uh, adventuring group yes um, featured in the novels but, but who, she went who they haven't seen for years and they made her an NPC yeah essentially uh, there's uh, what other ones are there there's oh uh, Toeid I think was one wasn't he uh, yeah he was the black dragon army was he he's a hobgoblin Fumaster yeah. Toeid yeah. Toad. yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. There was the White Dragon Army based down at the sort of ice wall and to, to the south. And that's oh, Field yeah. Fass, he was called. Yeah, that's right. He sort of got a bit killed off screen. Yeah. I'm not sure what's called. going on with Green Dragon Armies because the only real Green Dragon you meet is um, the one in uh, Sylvanesti that's uh, yeah. corrupted the land. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, name he- I forget offhand. Um, it was uh, Qual- Qualinesti because we start off with the Sylvanesti elves, which. Um, no, the Sylvanesti. Uh, the, the Qualinesti are the, the ones... Because the Sylvanesti and Qualinesti haven't been able to talk for a long yeah, time. Yeah, the Qualinesti are the ones that are nearby, which they visit okay. in the first book. Right, okay. That must be the... Sil- yeah, that's right, it's the Sylvanesti yeah. ones. Because that, they, they, they've all been... Uh, all the Sylvanesti elves are now in a refugee crisis. Yeah. They've, due to the takeover of their government by a poisonous green dragon yes. that has corrupted the land and um, the king and the, their system of government, yeah. they've all had to flee... To the lands of the Kaganesti, the wild elves, who are being jolly decent about it, but who are being looked down on and treated badly. Yeah. So you've got these dragon wow. armies sort of marching over the entire world. Yeah. And the quest of the heroes, essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes over 14 different modules oh, uh, yeah. and three different novels. 
So, you know, it's... Decent sized novels as but, well. But, yeah. but we're bringing it down to its sort of core element. Basically, mm. they um, discover the gods exist. Yeah. Uh, starting with uh, Mishakal, the goddess of healing, and then they no. slowly start to discover other gods still exist. They That's discover dragons right. still exist by um, meeting them and running away. Because there's a whole sort of running subplot about the Seeker Thaif, um, who are yeah. essentially not praying to any gods, but are... Like they've got new gods. They've got new gods. But they don't really exist. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of interesting things. Yeah. And also one of the things that looking back I really appreciated was how the cataclysm really changed the world. Mm. It sort of broke the world. So you've got that's why the Silver Nest and Qualonesty can't talk, because there's like a big old um like mountain range mm. and like seas have moved and in. Of course where and the where the moved. meteor hit the world, there's yeah. a great big um sea called the Blood Sea. The Blood Sea, yeah. And uh, it's got this great big whirlpool. Oh is that, is that the Maelstrom once? Yeah. Is it the, oh it is the Maelstrom. Uh, Ooh, yeah. And, and uh, lots of pirate minotaurs which kind of like uh, sail around and stuff. You got me, those are like my absolute favouritist minotaurs. Pirate minotaurs are also yes. yeah as far as I'm concerned, minotaurs, uh sailors and pirates in any game I run. <laughs> Yeah, I'm down with this. Yeah, yeah, because it's, yeah, it's just like, uh, oh, and what was the sort of Kaz, Kaz the Minotaur? That was one of the spin-off books. That was a spin-off book, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he was he was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, because um, they're not like the absolutely monstrous giant beasts. They are basically sort of like cow people, but they're pretty cool. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. big and tough. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, but going back to the main story, yeah, so yeah. the main characters. So we got um, a, a group of characters, and they ha- uh, end up having to rediscover or reforge dragon lances, which mm. are basically the only weapon really that people can use oh, effectively actually. against dragons. Because yeah. dragons are just so so mean. Mm. Later in the story, of course, the good dragons will turn. And it yeah. turns out the good dragons... This is totally spoilerific. Oh, because oh, let's not forget, the, but there's like a new enemy that has come up. Mm. The Draconians. Yes. Which no one's ever seen before. Like, oh, okay, so you're basically sort of a stroppy lizard person with wings. Shank. And They're kind of terrible a precursor things. to the Dragonborn, really, aren't they? Oh, yeah. absolutely. But unlike Dragonborn in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, these ones either... Turn to stone, which is very inconvenient if you just stab one through yes, the heart. I think of the there's sword. five different varieties, aren't there? And each oh. one does a different thing when you kill it. Yeah, some some explode. Um, one some... of them turns into a pool of acid. That's awkward. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, the Bozak turned to yeah. stone, which oh, they're yeah. the weakest ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I needed that. I was using that to stab you. Damn it. Mm. Yeah. Um, there's all, oh, there's all sorts and yeah. stuff going on. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I absolutely adore the Dragonlance setting. It's a real mm. shame that it's never really come back in Fifth Edition. I don't know if it ever will. Yeah, it's, it's tricky because you're sort of relying... You're really reliant upon the books. I think that's part of the problem. Out. It's a little bit like Star Wars, in a sense. Mm. The good bit of it is essentially the original story. The original trilogy. all of the extra stuff, the sort of expanded universe, I guess, in a way... Which was yeah. just, there was dozens and dozens of uh, there novels. Were, there, there were, were loads. There were yeah. more. There were more and more adventures um, mm. and things which came out with greater cataclysms and worse yeah. wars and stuff like that. Which I kind of I didn't really get into all that because they kind of devalued the original. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So uh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, the dragons. I never actually got around to reading dragons, but I mean to be fair, it's, it's produced some really iconic stuff as well, like Lord Soth. I think we've talked about previously. Essentially, Darth Vader. But he's a Death Knight. He's the iconic Death Knight. He's more Darth Vader than Darth Vader, if you ask me. It's like, yeah. Uh, it, it, Lord, Lord Soft turns up. And, um, oh, what is the name of the tower? Um, oh, which tower would that be? 
It's the... There's many towers. There, there are, but this is an Archmage's Tower, and eventually Racelin moves in there. Oh, the, the... Tower of Palantas. Uh, that's the one. Yes, yeah, so oh. Racelin becomes the master of past and present. Oh, yeah. And he becomes the oh. most powerful mage to ever have lived, and then he I, moves in there. I, I, I'm definitely getting goosebumps just remembering that. Yeah. Uh, yeah Some really powerful stuff, though. What I thought was really clever uh-huh. was, um, at first, before they went into all the sort of like, oh, well, there's an even bigger war now, and oh, well, there's even bigger dragons yeah, yeah, now, all yeah. that sort of stuff, and escalating and escalating. Yeah, yeah. But um, the first trilogy mm. of novels, on yeah. which the first 14 adventures correspond, yeah, yeah. Um, deals with the War of the Lance. Yeah. And you, and you were saying that these were, like, produced... And then people are playing them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the second trilogy of yeah. novels mm-hmm. cleverly didn't advance the timeline with something bigger and greater. Mm-hmm. It was a more personal trilogy. It was about um, the relationship between Raceline, the Archmage, and Caraman, his warrior brother. And oh, they end up going yeah. back in time oh, to Istar when it was basically, I guess, Rome. With mm. the Colosseum and yes, graduators yeah. and all that stuff. So mm. it's, it, instead, instead of it being a, another great big apocalyptic war yes. to overshadow the previous one, it's a pers- it's really a personal mission where yes. a race is trying to gain power and he wants to overcome the gods yes. and stuff like that. And that kind of works because it doesn't it doesn't in any way demolish what happened before in the way that I think mm-hmm. some of the later later things did a bit. Yeah, they they, they sort of devalue it. Yes, whereas like. That that was, I mean, they definitely had two of, I'm going to be honest, more interesting characters because I, I remember what Goldmoon looks like. I remember what Riverrun looks like. Mm. But if we're looking at it round the table, that's like the guy who's just here to hit things with a sword and his girlfriend who's here. Yeah. And if she was in Monday, she'd be on her phone all the time. Yeah. Well, if you go through the characters then. Yeah. So the leader of the group ostensibly is Tannis, who's a half-elven um, ranger with a red beard. Le- leader... Leader is a leader is a strong kind of a term. reluctantly reluctant leader slash designated scapegoat. Yeah, I feel would be yeah. a more accurate framing. And uh, his best friend is Flint Fireforge, a dwarf oh, yeah. who's very much a typical dwarf, I guess. Yeah, I, I, he's an uh, about typical. I say archetypical. Mm. Yeah, he's a dwarf. You know what you sound with him. He's, he's Gimli. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, there's a Tasselhoff Burfoot, which is a Kender. Kenders were a race introduced by Dragonlance yeah. all that time ago, which, um, let's say they're um, controversial. I'm so, I'm so conflicted. I think I've never actually met anyone that played a Kender in a way that didn't irritate me, but I think the character of Taz in the books was great. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's the thing. Taz, Taz is, like, really interesting. I think for things like Legends, mm. was pretty essential. Because that would be a very dark Well, tale the thing is, Taz grows, he, doesn't he? He, he develops does. as a person. He, you know, he has a character arc and stuff like that. But when people play Ken, they tend to just go, oh, I'm a kleptomaniac, I'm going to steal everything. That, and that's basically it. Yeah, I mean, Which cre- is, cre- creating a race of nearly unhittable, because they're so good at dodging, kleptomaniac... Fearless. But they fearless. don't possess the emotion of fear. Fearless, yeah. Fearless and no sense of self-preservation oh, whatsoever. Oh, that, that's, that's a dragon. I'm going to go and have a close look. Yeah, oh, it's a dragon. I'll try and steal a uh, ring from underneath its uh, nose. Yeah. Although, not- notably, uh, Taz was afraid of Lord Soth. It was the first time he ever felt, te- uh, felt fear. Because Lord Soth was just that badass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh. yeah, so, so you've got this race of, you know, as you say, kleptomaniac, fearless, um, mischievous kind of... Who, who constantly steal from the party. It's not that they're kleptomaniacs, they, they don't really have the concept of property and they just I think they think themselves that they just found this stuff and yeah, it's like oh this looks just like your dagger huh ha 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 and and that's the sort of thing which 
in the confines of a story is okay, but in the confines of a game, it's like... I think if you're mm. stealing off the other players, yeah, it just gets irritating. It's like, here, come, have a sit down for your rest. I did, oh, a cat's I, I did actually discover a, a way, of, way of handling it. Because I, I played through the original modules years and years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, and the way we... And it took us until about halfway through until yeah. we figured out how to handle the candor. Okay. Because um, we, were, we, were, we were young. Uh, yeah, we, we, we were mm. young at the time and stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so what happens is you decide to... Everything the Kenda steals is just from unnamed NPCs. Legit. So he hasn't stolen the king's crown. Yeah. He hasn't stolen, you know, Cat oh, uh, Caraman's sword. Oh, okay. He hasn't anything like that. So you can have the Kenda producing random stuff and oh, say, oh, where did this come from? All this sort of stuff. But um, you just have this tacit table agreement yeah. that's always from from the extras. I, I think that's, that's really cool. And it's just like there are some amazing things like trinket tables. Yes. Yeah, which you can roll to see what's in your pockets. Yes. Yeah. What What's in your pockets? Oh, I don't know. Let me just check. It's a it it's a it's a strange carved needle that always mm. points towards the north. How about that? <laughs> Tell you what I love about this particular module, Dragons of Despair, yeah. is um, you, you open it up. I love the way all this sort of first edition modules all came with their little GM screen, mm. DM screen, which you could put up. Um. It's got the maps on the inside, and all the modules used to be. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so we've got sort of a, a map of what's that? The tavern. Is that uh, no, no. So these are the uh, this is the uh, sunken temple. Oh, so right, the dragon's right, right. lair is down here. Yeah, this is where the well is and the statue and all that. And they go down into the sunken temple. And then, um, down, do you remember the big sort of uh, pots that they go down in chains? Yeah, which go down to there and stuff like that. Right, right, right. With you, yeah. Okay, so and that's the surrounding swamp there. Yeah, I I must say I don't see a lot of three dimensional maps. That's a very nice way of doing it. Well, I think it's fairly common these days. It's I mean, more, it's more common. Stride, for example, that's a three dimensional map. I, I haven't actually had I haven't actually seen that from a GM side of things, could I? Okay. Yeah, this is an early example of one. Oh yeah. So and then, on, then on the player side, you've got a sort of wilderness map. Yeah. Which has the darkened wood, Qualinesti, yeah, uh, Solace, and the Inn of the Last Home, and all that sort of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, somewhat bizarrely, the plot is facing the players, but still, there you go. Uh-huh. And then, and then that gorgeous art on the cover. Yeah. No, it's it's really nice. And then you get into the actual uh, game itself. Yeah. So these modules are yeah, they're quite small. Hmm. Yeah, they all add together to like a... 32 odd pages? Yeah. Uh, 32 pages, yes. So 32 page modules, there's 14 of them. Yeah, okay. That adds up nicely. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I found particularly enchanting was it's got like a little song uh, in it. Uh, uh, there's a Canticle of the Dragon at the back. So a bit of poetry, but there's also like a song set to music. There is actually some music in there, yeah. Let's have a look. And, Where is it? And I don't... I'm sure if you went online, you could probably find someone's actually... Yeah. Song of Gold Moon, this is, and it's, you know, it's a song set to music. And that's just, it's such a, like, I wouldn't find that in a modern book. Mm. Uh, so it's like, it and it just sort of, just, it evokes in me the idea that someone might get this and then has a player learn that song so they could perform it. I bet that happened as well. Uh, I bet, like, there were some terrible cringeworthy performances, but there were some that might have been quite good. Yeah. You never know, you never know. So I'm just looking at the pre-generated characters here. So we've got, as we mentioned, Tannis. Mm-hmm. He's a fifth level half elf fighter. Mm-hmm. We've got um, Tasselhoff, fourth level kinder thief. Mm-hmm. Back when thieves were thieves. Ah, yes. uh, we've got Caraman, who's a sixth level human fighter. He's yeah. a big sort of Arnold Schwarzenegger like big bloke. And his and his yeah. brother, 
Racelin, a third level human magic user. Oh, back yeah. when they were magic users rather than it's always wizards. been such such an archetypical divide. It's like you've it's got your sickly level, mage with it's a cough. The level differences though. Racelin's third level, Caraman's yeah. sixth level. It's not a super yeah. balanced party, I wouldn't say. No, no. Gold Moon's a fifth level human cleric. Uh-huh. So basically, she's the first cleric back after three years. Yeah. Uh, Riverwind, who's her husband, a fifth level human ranger. Uh-huh. Sternbright Blade, who's the knight of Slamnia, a sixth level human fighter. Yeah. Who has a, a sad end. Yeah. And Flint Fireforge, a fourth level dwarf fighter. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I've really liked about the books you were mentioning, the sad ends, the way they handle the character deaths. No, I absolutely adore that. I mean, I don't, mm. I don't I'll ever play it again. I've played through the entire, mm. entire thing. And it did, it's, a long, it's a long adventure path. Yeah, yeah. It's like, would you... And people do criticise it for being very railroady. And I would say, yes, it is very oh, railroady. Oh, yeah. Very, clunk, very clunk, railroady. Clunk. But yeah. I didn't mind that. Yeah. I was fine with that. Yeah, it's like everyone likes different things. Some some people who are for the immersion and the like creation of their characters will hate that, and rightly so. And other people who really love the story will love it, mm. and rightly so. There's no wrong way to play a game, yeah. As long as everyone's like on the same page about what constitutes having fun. <laughs> Do you know what some of the stuff happened after all this was? Um, no. they, they had these giant, giant dragons. I'm trying to remember now because I never got into this. It didn't, oh, yeah. work, it didn't work for me. This is the Dragons of Summer Flame stuff, is it? Uh, I, think it I think it was up. I can't remember. But um, basically, um, they ended up with these giant, giant dragons that came from like another world or something. Okay. And the gods had gone again. Oh, you know, it, it, it kind of undoes the entire original Chronicles yeah, and Legends. I don't like it, but, mm. you know, it's, it has its fans and, you know. Fair play to you. Fair play, fair play to them. Yeah. Um, but um, there's these giant dragons which are like ten times the size of regular dragons uh-huh. and the world is divided up between them and they rule over massive sort of territories of the world huh. and the gods have been have gone again and um, uh, the uh, wizards of high sorcery are gone and there's just these grey mages instead and Oof. you know it, it it totally changed the setting and it does it does have its fans and you know I- but I call it's that just Dragonlance. It just seems like a different setting to me. Doesn't yeah, it? that 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 sounds to me that, that that's a legitimately interesting idea. Mm. I think it would be quite cool, just not for Dragonlance. Mm. He's sort of he's sort of done with Kryn, and that resetting it is. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I get it. I mean, once you've done the Chronicles, you can't. The legends aren't really adventure party. It'd be quite hard to. No. I suppose you could, but it is very much more character driven. That. I mean, you're looking at almost duet play at that sort of level, mm. uh, where you've got the. Like, I mean, the legends were fantastic. Yeah, no. oh. but, um Yeah, I don't think they're very adventure party. So then, I guess if you're TSI, you got to think where are we going to go from there? Mm-hmm. And they uh, opened up a new continent called Talidas on the other side of the world. Fair enough. Uh, which I don't know a great deal about either. Okay. And they had lots of adventures there, mm-hmm. set there, mm-hmm. which I gave them a bit of scope to have adventures, which didn't really affect the main. Yeah, yeah, the main, main contrast. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and then they, adva- yeah. they advanced it onto these giant dragons and um, the gods leaving again, and all this sort of stuff. Mm. And then mm. they had, I think, the return of Tarkesis yet again, like oh, years later, yeah. and stuff like that. Because I, I also, because Tarkesis, of course, the, the <laughs> gods, there's you got Tarkesis and Paladine, and they are Tiamat and uh, Bahamut. Yeah. yeah. Just by different names. One's uh, a chromatic dragon, one's a platinum dragon. I hear what you're saying. I say Tarxis and Gandalf, but um, just because of how, well, how Fizban manifested. Yeah, yeah, Fizban 
Yeah, Fizban was the avatar of Paladine. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was... Uh, and he was this bumbling old wizard. Yeah, so Dragonlance later, in 1997, it got licensed to Sovereign Press. Okay. Uh, uh, that was... Oh, so 1997 um, was when Wizards purchased TSR. Right, yeah. And then in 2001, it got licensed to Sovereign Press. Okay, so 2001 was licensed to Sovereign Press. Yeah, so Sovereign Press was um, Margaret Weiss's company at the time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so she <laughs> produced third edition, D&D third edition Dragonlance materials. Oh, up until, okay. For about five or six years no. until the license expired. Yeah. And then since then, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what's happened then. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely say in terms of uh, reading material, I always regarded like seeing Weiss and Hickman on the cover mm. as a sure sign that I was going to have a good time. Yeah. I'm just looking at that timeline that I, we were talking about earlier, where it goes afterwards. I've oh, just, yeah, I've, just yeah. called, I've just called this up. So we've got um, the Chronicles, which obviously we're both familiar with. Very yes. Yeah, yeah. Then we've got the Legends, which again we're very familiar with. Absolutely. Uh, then we get the Second Generation, which is about the kids oh. of the main heroes. Right, right, okay, yeah. Uh, then we got um, the what? Dragons of Summer Flame, and this is a brand new war. Yeah, called the Chaos War, also known as the Second Cataclysm. Yeah, right. And uh, Chaos is trying to destroy um, Kryn, and the war ends with the Chaos and the Gods of Kryn leaving. Oh, right. So basically, the, the entire setting kind of resetting. Yeah, in a okay. sense. Mm. Um, then we've got Dragons of a New Age, which is where these big dragon overlords come in. Oh, and okay. this is where these got these giant, giant, giant dragons which rule the entire world. Right, right. Then we've got the War of Souls trilogy. Oh, a wow. A brand new war. Yet another war called the War of Souls. Um, and okay. the end of the war brings the gods back again. Oh, okay. And Tarkesis dies and Paladine leaves in order to maintain balance. Right. Then um, we've got the Dark Disciple trilogy, which follows the death of Tarkesis and yep. the departure of Paladine, where the lesser gods try to maintain... Oh, I haven't read this at all. Right. And then the Lost Chronicles trilogy, which is a companion to the original Chronicles, which fills in sections of the series previously left untold. Right. Okay, so that would be things like where uh, Lorana and stuff pop on down to the uh, ice wall to have it out yeah, with um, exactly that, the yeah. white dragon trap tells a story surrounding the recovery of the hammer of Karas. yes that happened in Thor Bardin because one because there's some of these are covered by adventures yeah okay so there's an adventure in, in, in the 14th series one of the adventures uh-huh. is going to Thor Bardin and recovering the hammer of Karas from his tomb right but of course that doesn't feature in the novels they skip that don't they yeah, because and that, then they, they they go from before it then afterwards and they just go, oh, we've got the Hammer of Karas now. Yeah, that, that's oh, we had an adventure. That was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a fun adventure. Okay, let's carry on. I'm like, but where is my story? <laughs> <laughs> um, and also the ice wall thing. Yeah. Again, there's uh, that's probably dragons of uh, ice. I imagine it's called because all of these are called dragons of something. Oh. Each module is dragons of hope, dragons of despair, dragons of ice, dragons yeah. of you know. Dragons of bad cold, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, so there's there, and there's one about how a racing major, uh, major took the black robes in Naraka. One about how Kitiara and Lord Soth became allies. Stuff like that, just like stories which fill in the gaps okay. in the original chronicles. So I suppose you could read those as like uh, the um, what's it, the expanded edition chronicles, mm. if such were your thing. So I absolutely love Dragon Answers. Uh, it says there's over 190 novels. That's a lot of books. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, the original ones have made over 20 bestseller lists, sales in excess of 22 million, being yep. translated into a big old list of languages there. Yeah. Did you see the uh, film 
The Dragons of Autumn Twilight Film, animated film. This is a bit where I look at you with big eyes and go, what? 2008. Um, it had Lucy Lawless, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, Michelle, uh, Michael even, Michelle, Michael Rosenbaum and Michelle, no, that's why I said that, Michelle Trachtenberg. So Michael Rosenbaum was Lex Luthor in Smallville. Michelle Trachtenberg was in Buffy. She was Dawn, I believe. Oh. Lucy Lawless, of course, yeah. was Xena. Yeah. And Kiefer Sutherland was Kiefer Sutherland. Dad. It was good. Oh. <laughs> it was bad. Is this why I've not heard of it it's then? Real. I mean, it's worth... <laughs> If you, if you like Dragonlance, it's worth watching. I do quite like Dragonlance. Just out of a sense of completeness. But you will watch it and you will be thinking all the way through, this is really bad. But why? It's just... They clearly spent money on it. Mm-hmm. It's like, those aren't like tiny, no-name people. Wow. Yeah, you can, you, can, you can find it, I'm sure. I'm so conflicted. <laughs> <laughs> Based on the New York Times best-selling novel, Chaos, War, Death. That is what I see. Between the voices of Lucy Lawless, Michael Rosenbaum, Dragonlands. After 300 years of peace, the evil goddess Takesis and her unstoppable army of dragons have descended upon the mystic world of Kryn. Now, a handful of warriors must battle the forces of darkness in a struggle to save all they hold dear. But will even their great courage be enough when the final battle begins? Dragonlands. Dragons of Autumn Twilight. I think it only tells the story of up as far as Kissarans. Yeah. And okay. uh, the return of uh, Mishako and Little Staff. And all. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That's that's better than that. <laughs> I liked the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings. It was, it was good. Hmm. It's like, I watched hmm. it a lot. So, just looking at the, um, you know, Tracy Hickman, of course, um, is uh, responsible for Ravenloft also. Really? Yes. I did not. Back in 83. Cool. And then Hickman and um, his wife, Laura, created the Dragonlance concept. Uh And then he ended up working with Margaret Weiss. And also a whole bunch of other people, because the original series was a a series, suggestion was a series of 12 modules, Uh each featuring a different dragon. I assume oh. that must mean six good and six evil. I, yeah. I don't know, because five good and five... I don't know, which... D- there's different... a lot of colours flecking yeah, around. Yeah, okay. Um, and then uh, TSR sort of said that um, they should get additional support from others. So you had all these um, sort of legendary names like Jeff Grubb and Larry Elmore and Roger Moore. Not that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Niles, Michael Williams and people like that. Right. Uh, and they decided um, that... Because Margaret Weiss at the time was doing those endless quest books for TSR. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they decided that the novels should accompany the game modules. Oh, right, yeah. Originally, TSR hired a separate writer. Yeah. And Hickman, uh, Tracy Hickman became like the uh, overall sort of design coordinator. Yeah. And uh, they called it Project Overlord at the time. This is before <laughs> it became known as the Dragonlance Saga. Yeah, okay. That's yeah, not the code name for it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they decided to create a massive franchise with mm-hmm. modules, board games, figures, miniatures, and 
novels, which is the first time they'd yeah. sort of had that approach, this whole sort of massive multimedia. Because they do that, yeah. you know, properties do that all the time now. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's like the standard way you approach a, an IP. That's a combined arms approach sort of yeah. thing, do, do all the things, yeah. So uh, Margaret Weiss was hired as the editor, mm-hmm. and uh, with Hickman... Um, she started working with the author that was hired to write the novels uh-huh. but nobody was happy with the work that author was doing Oh! and uh, Hickman and Weiss decided to write the books themselves Oh! so over, okay. over a weekend they yeah. sort of collaborated and wrote the prologue for the first five chapters of Dragons of Autumn Twilight the first yeah. novel uh, based on the module this module here uh-huh. Dragons of Despair ah. uh, so TSR liked that gave them the assignment fired the original author no. Harsh. Uh, well, yeah, crikey. Uh, and uh, the rest is history. Wow. Goodness. Well, that is my mind properly blown. Yeah. I have no idea about half the stuff. Uh, um, I, I would previously have considered myself a Dragonlance fan. Mm. Uh, clearly, clearly, I've got a long way to go in uh, my slave's devotion. Yeah. Oh. It's interesting here. Tracy Hickman, well, Margaret Weiss originally had problems writing Tannis. Mm-hmm. in the books because yeah. uh, she couldn't get sort of like a handle on the character until yeah, yeah. Tracy Hickman said basically he's Captain Kirk <laughs> I'm not really sure <laughs> I see that but <laughs> Captain Captain Kirk yeah I'm, 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 well there we go uh, apparently after that explanation uh, can, Margaret can... Weiss had no trouble writing Tannis she just wrote Captain Kirk I don't get it I'm not sure I believe that I don't know whether that's like urban myth whether that actually happened but that, that's, uh, I apologise to listeners to those horrible grinding sounds. That's sound my brain's yeah. trying to change gear without the use of a clutch. Yeah. So uh, Okay, I can see it in that he has a complete weakness for anything with long hair that pounces him vaguely. Mm. That's very Tannis. Yeah. I can see that relationship to Captain Kirk. But other than that, he's really more of a Hamlet figure. I don't, I don't it's like, know. mate, just, just, just make... Make a decision, Tannis. I'm with you. Make a decision. It's interesting some of the history of Raceland here as well, because they haven't oh, fleshed yeah. out Raceland. That- so this is before, you know, when Raceland first appears, he's basically a sickly red rose, red robe mage. Yeah, yeah. There is none of this um, stuff, he's going to become a black robe mage, he's going to become no. the most powerful mage ever, he's going to do this, do that, he's yeah, going to yeah. defeat the gods, all that stuff. None of that was even in anyone's mind at the time. No, no. He was just, there's this red robe mage and he's Karaman's brother. That's yeah. all we know. I hurl fireballs, but I have a bit of a cough. Yeah. Seems so, like fair trade to me. So game designer Terry Phillips was at the initial game session. Oh. And uh, he was he was given racing. Oh. And of course, as I said, racing wasn't fleshed out at the time. No, no. And they were just settling into the game. And Hickman, uh, Tracy Hickman says, uh, we were just settling into the game. Uh-huh. And he turned to Terry Phillips and asked what his character was doing. Cause, uh-huh. And uh, Terry spoke. And uh, he used this rasping voice and this sarcasm oh. and bitterness and stuff. Yeah. And everyone in the room was apparently transfixed. Yeah. Just like, that's a brilliant meta-characterisation mm-hmm. that he just like spontaneously brought to this, basically yeah. it was third level, you're a third level magic user. There you go. That's all we know Crack about the character. Crack on, mate. Crack and on. Uh, uh, to this, you know, you know, yeah. history was written in that moment. Yeah. Uh, and Margaret Weiss actually says that uh, Terry wore black robes to the party that night, to the game that night. Which, <laughs> again, I don't know if that's true or not. Probably not. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, um, do yeah. it. So they gave like, various <laughs> heroes of last were played by various people. Yeah. Um, I, I won't list them all, but, um, you know, they, they sort of down and the, and the characters kind of came out just through people's portrayal of them at that game. Yeah. Okay. So uh, he took black robes. Yeah. I mean, some of the ways he changes over time, he becomes like, he, 
gets his bronze skin, like almost copper coloured. I think he always had that because that happened when he took the test of high sorcery. So oh, when you meet him, yeah, he, he has the. Uh, does it, does he skin. have the hourglass eye yeah, pupils? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's good. part of the curse he has. Yeah. And uh, he can see everyone dying slowly. Mm, yes, that's right. That is, that is from the. I wasn't sure. Like if that was a price he paid for later. No, that was yeah. that was a price he paid at his test of high sorcery. Yeah, with um, yeah, that that uh, li- lich. Yeah, lich. It's no, lich I think it lich. was a lich. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, uh, it was a wraith actually. It could have been a lich at third level. That's insane. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't him that was the lich. It was like a fistandantus. Yeah. Yes. Oh, a fistandantus turned up to help him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, he like, was being beaten by the wraith. Yes. And Fish and Hanthus turned up to help him, but that was the price. It was some sort of... Some of his life was the price. Exactly, yeah. And of course, what he didn't know was Fish and Hanthus was actually him back in time. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah. It's all very, very complicated. I love the time travel shenanigans. Ah, yeah. No, I mean, to be fair, that is, that is some quality, time-wimey, handy-wavy stuff mm. there. I would love to see Dragon Man. Oh. But then again, yeah, I don't know what they do with it. I mean, they can either do the Chronicles again, but do you really need them done again? Because people know the story... And you oh. could you could take these and run them in fifth edition enough, uh, or you could invent a new epic story on top. Oh, you, you could have a sort of yeah. generic fantasy adventure in some corner of the world, but at that point, why set it in Kryn? Oh yeah, uh, I, oh 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, like things like the the moons being so key to magic use. Yeah, there's a lot of really it's nice in details. The Dragonlance Adventures hardcover mm. setting because mm-hmm. obviously the setting book came later. Okay. There's rules for tracking the moons. So what you do, there's these three rings, oh, and yeah. you're gonna track each day because they go around at different speeds. Obviously, uh, um, you yes. track each day where each moon is, and then uh, depending okay. on whether you're a red, white, or black road wizard you get sort of boost to your power or your yeah. power wanes a little bit. And there's sometimes when certain moons are in line in conjunction and stuff, different things happen. It's, I, I never actually used that because it was just a bit too fiddly. But as yeah. an idea, it was cool. Yeah, no, I, I sort of like that. I sort of hate it at the same yeah. time. It's something that would be really fun if someone else is keeping track of it. There's this, also, there's this weird rule in the Dragonlance Adventures setting book. It said that no character can go above 18th level. Oh, okay. Once you hit 18th level, if you go above 18th level, the gods take you away somewhere else. What? So, <laughs> so the only character in that book, because they had all like all the NPC stuff, yeah, the yeah. only character in that book above 18th level yes. was Raislin, who was 20th level. Oh. Because obviously he defied the gods, sort of yeah. thing. But it was, it, was, it, was, it was a bit of an odd rule there. I'm, not sh- I'm, I'm sure there's some history as to why they did that. That, yeah, that's curious. Uh, I know, yeah. Fishland Handlers was in there and he was like 23rd or 25th or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. He was higher. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's just like Trin is, uh, is an interesting setting, mm. I feel. Uh, I like the idea of the world has been changed. Mm. Like massive um, seas where they shouldn't be, deserts where there were seas, mm. like all, all those things. That's really interesting and good. It's like you've got a reason for your dwarven fortresses yeah. and stuff. For like, there are there are elves that are very similar in culture, but they just don't get along yeah. because they haven't seen each other in so long. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's lots lots of different elements, but yeah, I mean, do you know what I always think? Mm. If they were to mm. make a Netflix D and D show of Dragon Dance, that would be perfect. That would be the format to do that, like Game of Thronesy style. Yeah. Alright. I think rather than films, there's too much in it for films. I think you'd have to go at it Games of Thrones style. You have to do a TV series, probably Netflix or yeah. something like that. It, 
this is not suitable for like film as a medium. I'll say. Well, I suppose I, you know, uh, Lord uh, of the Rings no, translated, no. but Lord. Okay, but The Hobbit is a much closer comparison. I'll say that because well, The it, Hobbit's a very short book, whereas The Dragonlance Chronicles is a very big book. Yeah, but it's the number of characters. And yeah, the character okay, development. Yeah, yeah, because a Hobbit TV series. You could actually have given the dwarves a personality. Mm. I mean, to be fair, that's more than Tolkien did. Mm. Let's be honest. Like he got yeah, maybe yeah, three yeah. different characters, but like in the films, it was just like, well, there's a bunch of dwarves. That's the fat one. Well, <laughs> I think we've seen, we've given Trevor a good seeing to today, haven't we? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yes. Thank you so much for listening. This is me signing off. It's goodbye from me, Russ. As goodbye from me, Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Rockers. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, it was Daryl's birthday today, wasn't it? Yesterday, I think. The day before. Happy birthday, Daryl. Happy birthday, Daryl.